Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents the conclusion of his teaching, The Divine Flow. So we've been talking about how we as the people of God can learn to recognize the stirring of God's love and compassion on the inside of us and how we can let that divine flow lead us and guide us to the right people at the right time so the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles are released into their lives. Amen. And I believe that this release of the gifts of the Spirit of signs, wonders, and miracles will testify that Jesus is alive and that He is Lord. Of course, there are benefits to those of us who already know Jesus as Lord when the signs, wonders, and miracles are poured out, but they're especially beneficial to those who don't know Jesus as Lord. They get to see God in action, feel His love, feel His compassion, which trigger gifts of the Spirit whereby you're healed, delivered, and set free. Amen? So to kick off this final session, I want to read some of the key scriptures we covered in the last two sessions along with one new one that really brings this teaching to life, then we'll use them as a launch point to share another example from the life and ministry of Jesus and a couple more examples that Trisha and I have seen in our life and ministry that I believe will encourage you. Why? Because I want to drive home the point that this is not just the realm of the super saint or five-fold ministers, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. But this is what God wants every born-again, spirit-filled believer to be walking in. The same miracle power that Jesus walked in when he was on the earth. Amen? All right, let's get into the Word this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, New King James Version. The writer of the Hebrews says to the Hebrews, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Amen. When you preach and teach the Word of God, The Word says there will be signs, wonders, and miracles that will confirm the Word that you preach. Why? Because the people who hear you need to know that your Word can be trusted and believed in and relied upon. Amen? You know, you read something similar over there in Mark 16, 20. I don't have a slide for it, but it says that the believers went out preaching the gospel, and the Lord was working with them with signs following to confirm the Word that they preached. That is the reason for signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, to confirm the word that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Speaking of which, John 14, 12 through 14 has some pretty amazing things to say about the works of God, about the miracles of God. Jesus told his followers, listen to this, because this is an absolute mind blower. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. 
And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want to break this down for you a little bit here. Let's go back to verse 12. Most assuredly, King James says, verily, verily, other translations say, truly, truly, most assuredly. In other words, I really mean what I say, and you really need to pay attention to me. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, that's all of us, the works that I do, he will do also. Consider this. Jesus made the maimed to behold, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak, the lepers to be healed. And he said, we would do the same things. Amen? And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Oh, I forgot to mention, he raised three people from the dead. A lot of people say to me, I want to operate in the greater works of Jesus. And I say, why don't we start with the works of Jesus and work our way up to the greater works? Amen. (laughs) Considering what he did on a regular basis, I want to start there, right? I want to raise a few people from the dead, you know, get a leper healed or, you know, have a body part restored. And I've had that happen. I've seen that on two occasions. Body parts grow. There is nothing like it. You can't go back from that. You want more. And then it says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Ask in my name. A lot of people don't realize in my name means representing me. Whatever you ask representing me, Jesus said, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That word there, ask, means ask, require, or demand. What do you mean? You demanding stuff from God? No, you're asking, you're requiring, you're demanding people get set free from the bondage of the devil. Amen. So he basically says, if you ask anything in my name representing me, I am there with you and I will do it. You don't have to worry about performing the miracle. You just do your part. You lay hands on the sick and I will take care of it. Never again should you say, what if I lay hands on this person and nothing happens? Guess what? That is not your responsibility. The sooner you realize that Jesus has your back, the sooner you'll see better results when you lay hands on the sick. He said, I will do it. And over there, I've already alluded to it in Mark 16, 20. It says, the Lord went with them. This is after he was up in heaven. It says, the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, went with them, confirming the word that they preached with signs following. Again, Jesus says, you do what I said to do, and I'll do what I said I would do. Amen. I'll be there. I got your back. All right, so many of us are familiar with this passage, and it speaks to our longing to be used by God in the ways that Jesus is talking about. We talked about that. I think we talked about it last week and the week before. Is there any real serious believer who doesn't want to operate in signs, wonders, and miracles? I don't know anybody like that. I don't, except the denominational folks who don't believe it's for today, that it's passed away. They don't even believe it's possible. But for the people that believe it's possible, do you know anybody that doesn't want to operate in miracles? 
I don't know a soul. Not a soul. So we might as well figure out that if God wants it and we want it, there's a big disconnect somewhere. We need to get into the divine flow and find out how these things operate. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So here's the thing. We get thrilled when we read this verse and we think about how wonderful it would be to do the works of Jesus and then how awesome it would be to do the greater works. But we don't realize that there was, um, Jesus was moved with compassion and he was guided and directed by love. So everything he did, he did because of those things. And if you try to do the works and the greater works without tapping into the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ, you're not going to have success because that's what moved him. That's what guided him. That's what directed him. So we might as well learn to be moved with the compassion of Jesus and be guided and directed by his love. If we want to walk in gifts and signs, wonders, and miracles on a regular basis. Isn't that right? And one of the things about that is there's a sensitivity that goes along with operating in these kind of miracles. One of the things, the revelation that has been lost in our generation is, is that the love and compassion of God sometimes stirs mightily within us, but other times... He can be quite subtle. And we have to learn to recognize both. Amen? You know, it's easy when you start trembling and you feel your stomach just spinning and you tears come to your eyes because you're overwhelmed with the love and compassion of God. It's easy then. But then sometimes it's just at a level that you haven't detected emotionally yet. It's at the spirit level, and we need to recognize that as well, that God is urging us to move on his behalf. Amen. Job 9, 9 through 11, New Living Translation, is a wonderful picture of this dynamic. Job says, talking about God, he made all the stars, the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the southern sky. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Yet when he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. One translation says, he passed me by, but I did not perceive him. God brought a miracle moment, but you let it pass by because you weren't paying attention. You weren't listening to the spirit and you got caught off guard and the moment came and it went. I wish I could say I've never had that happen in my life. I've had that happen in my life. I'm determined to minimize the number of times that I let him walk by with a miracle in his hand, and I don't recognize it. One of the things we can do to increase our sensitivity and sharpen our ability to hear the Lord more accurately is to meditate on the Word of God. There's simply no substitute for it. Amen. Now, I don't have time to teach on meditation, but I will say this. It's not sitting with your legs crossed and your hands out going, mm, it's not Eastern mysticism. This is Bible meditation, spending time with the intimate word of God. 
You know, the man that led me to the Lord when I was 17 years old, he told me this. He says, Scott, your relationship with God will never be any closer than your relationship to his word. And that is a true, true statement because God is the word and the word is God. Amen. You spend time in the word, you're spending time with God. So meditation, for those of you that are new to this, involves speaking the Word of God over and over again. It, the, the word there for meditation actually means to say the same thing. So you can do it under your breath if you're in public or if you're in Walmart, somewhere like that, or out loud if you're by yourself in the car. Many times in the car, I'm either praying in tongues or I'm, I'm speaking the Word. I don't waste that vacuum time there. I fill it with the Word of God. I fill it with... The Spirit of God, amen. Hallelujah. So there's just something about hearing yourself say the word that builds faith in you in a special way. You know, Romans 17, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I would say especially hearing from your own mouth. You know why that is? Because you hear it with your inner ear and you hear it with your outer ear. You hear somebody else preach and teach the word, you're hearing it only with your outer ear. But when you say it, you hear it with both, your outer and your inner ear. You ever listen to yourself on a recording and going, is that me? I don't talk like that. You know why? Because you're only used to hearing yourself. You're used to hearing yourself with your inner ear and your outer ear. Other people just hear you with the outer ear, so it's a slight difference in the way it sounds. There'll be a test on this later. <laughs> but that's why that happens. Amen. There's something powerful about meditating on the Word of God and doing it on a regular basis in a disciplined manner. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's read about it in Joshua 1.8. Fascinating scripture here. If you remember your Bible history, Joshua had just taken over the reins of leadership from Moses and was about to take the Israelites across the Jordan to conquer the promised land. So he had a big shoes he had to fill. So God says here in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law, which is their word of God, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The reason I included this scripture in this session was because a couple of weeks ago, I was reading this, and uh, something just sparked on the inside of me. And listen, Joshua 1.8 was the first Bible verse I ever memorized 50 years ago. So this is not a verse that I am unfamiliar with, and yet I saw something I'd never seen quite from this angle. Listen to this. This got my attention. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. God stopped me right there. He said meditation is not about just informing yourself about the Word of God. It's about putting yourself in a position to do the Word of God, to walk it out in your life. Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. Hoya, hoya, hoya. Hallelujah. 
So one of the chief benefits of meditating on the Word is that you can train yourself to observe what to do in any given circumstance because of what's written in the Word of God. Why is that significant? Well, if the Word was written by the Spirit of God, and it was through the hands of men, then the Spirit will never speak anything to you or guide or direct you to do anything that violates His Word. Never, ever, ever. So the better you know the Word, the better you will hear the voice of His Spirit. Remember, remember Jesus said in John 6, 63, He says, My words are spirit and they are life. That's because the Spirit and the Word are two expressions of the same truth which come from the same God. Amen. They will never be in disagreement. 2 John 6 in the Amplified Classic Version. 2 John 6. This is a gold mine. This is the only place in the Bible that you find the term walk in love. And yet we all know we should walk in love. Verse 6 says, and what this love consists in is this, that we live and walk in accordance with and guided by his commandments, his orders, ordinances, precepts, teaching. This is the commandment, as you have heard from the beginning, that you continue to walk in love, listen to this, guided by it and following it. You can actually know the word to the point that you will be guided by the love of God and you will follow it. If we can ever learn to recognize when the love and compassion of the Lord is stirring on the inside of us, it can act like an alert, letting us know that a miracle moment is upon us. And if we heed that alert and tune our spiritual ears to hear We can be guided and led by that love and compassion to the very people who need an encouraging word, a healing, or a miracle in their lives. In a sense, we can learn to allow the love and compassion of God to rise up within us and trigger the gifts of God into operation at exactly the right time and exactly the right place to exactly the right people. Amen. Now, that's a mouthful. I repeated it verbatim from session two because I thought it was so good. (laughs) You know, God gives me stuff, and I read it, and I go, that's awesome. Where did that come from? Holy Spirit, of course. You're not responsible for it. Amen. So I want to read you one more example from the life and ministry of Jesus, and then I'll give you a couple of personal examples from the life of Trisha and I. (laughs) Amen. The life and ministry of Trisha and I. Amen. So Matthew 14, 14 through 21, New King James. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Now, this is something pretty significant that I need. I'm just going to skip ahead here. You're going to find out that this crowd was a crowd that consisted of 5,000 men and the women and children that went with them. So this is a crowd probably conservatively at 10,000 to 15,000 many people, you know. 
This is a lot of people. So read it with that lens. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, 10, 15,000 people, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. That means every sick person in this crowd of 10 to 15,000 people got healed, and they got healed in one day. One day. That's amazing. You would think that Jesus would say, well, I've done my work. Let's go get some rest, boys. No, he didn't. He felt responsible for the crowds that followed him. So he says here in verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Can you imagine? <laughs> what? And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And if you read the other gospel accounts, you find out it's a little boy's lunch. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, man, don't you know, you better look up to heaven if you think you're going to feed all those people with five loaves and three fish. <laughs> you better be looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now this is the abundance of our God. El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. Amen. Whoo, hallelujah. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So as I said, we're talking about conservatively 10, 15,000 people getting healed in a single day. And because Jesus kept them out till evening, he made sure they got fed before they went home. Amen. Just think about that. It's a mind blower. At the end of a full day, he was still motivated and moved by compassion. He was moved by compassion to heal, and then he was moved by compassion to provide. Because that's the kind of God he is. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants to meet all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that what the word says? Amen. He means what he says. Hallelujah. So just a few scientific notes about the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. It was an absolute physical impossibility. He defied the laws of physics and multiplied the fish and the bread that started out as a meal for one little boy. Some people have read the original language and say it was actually five crackers and three sardines, you know, which sounds more like the lunch of a little boy than, you know, five bloomer loaves and, you know, three big old fish with bug eyes sticking out. Amen. But I want to leave you with this. It was his miracle power of healing and his miracle power of provision. They were on display for the world to see because he was moved by compassion and guided by love. 
if we can reproduce that, we can reproduce the miracles of Jesus. I mean sensing that love and compassion, knowing when it's stirring within you, even at the spirit level. I mean, we all know when our emotions are overwhelmed. We all know when that happens, but sometimes it's just a subtle stirring on the inside. You need to move. You need to act by faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And as I said, it was all sparked by the compassion that rose up inside of Jesus. Now, a few personal examples of healing and provision in the life and ministry of Trisha and I. So when we were stationed in Corpus Christi, this is back in the 80s. Some of you weren't even around then. When we were stationed in Corpus Christi, Trisha and I lived in base housing. And our next-door neighbors were Jeff and Cami Walker. I was a Marine flight instructor, and Jeff was a Navy flight instructor, so we had quite a bit in common. We got to know them well during the three years we were neighbors and soon discovered that they desperately wanted children but had not been able to conceive for several years. They had been to fertility doctors, but no one seemed to have any answers for them. We, on the other side of the hallway that we shared with them in this duplex kind of thing, it wasn't a duplex, it was actually four units, two downstairs and two upstairs, but there was a common foyer in between. They had to endure the three years where two of our daughters were born and here we are very prolific in giving birth to children and they're just they're just not having any success at all so I remember having a conversation with Cammie in this common foyer that we shared and and she just poured out her heart to me about her desire to have a baby and as I looked at the pain and the sorrow that I saw in her eyes I'm telling you the compassion of God was stirred on the inside of me now, they knew we were charismatic Christians, and they were fundamental Baptists, so they weren't exactly uh, in tune with some of the things we believed, especially when it comes to the gifts and signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. But I told her that day in the foyer that any time she wanted Trisha and I to come and pray for them, that they would have a baby, we would be there. Just tell us when to be there, and we'll come. Long story short, we joined them one evening in their living room. At their invitation, as they reluctantly allowed us to pray for them, that they would have a baby. I mean, they were at their wits' end. Nothing else was working. Might as well try the crazy Maddox, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> we prayed that night, and I guess I was driving home one night on the way back just shortly after we had prayed for them, and I heard the word of the Lord speak to me, and I wrote it down when I got so that when I got home, I could read it and remember what the Lord said to me. And the Lord told me, Jeff and Cammie, I heard it very clearly with my inward audible voice, Jeff and Cammie are going to have a baby boy, and they will name him Jeffrey Walker. You know, that's, that's kind of out there. I, I shared it with Trish, and I didn't share it with another person but my wife. A few months later, we got the news that they were pregnant. And when their baby boy was born, they named him David Jeffrey Walker. It was a miracle of healing that was sparked by compassion for a couple who desperately wanted a baby. And God answered their cry. And he capped it off by giving me a word, which was rare for me back then, giving me a word that they would name their boy uh, 
David, Jeffrey Walker. I didn't get the David part, but I got the Jeffrey part, okay? And I said, praise the Lord. Glory to God. And we rejoiced with them, although I didn't share this word with them. I just felt a check in my spirit because the Lord said they wouldn't understand. Don't even share it with them. Just rejoice that I answered their cry. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, another testimony. This concerns people who needed financial miracles. People who needed a miracle in their finances. Amen. Now, I know these personal examples are not as spectacular as the ones I shared last week, but, but they are significant, and they are just as miraculous. Sometimes I think we're looking for the spectacular, and we miss the supernatural. Amen. So there was this time when Trisha and I were stationed in Corpus Christi, another Corpus Christi story, and we were attending an Assembly of God church called Faith Temple. We had gotten a pretty good tax return, about $5,000, and we were excited about it. And you know how you do. You start thinking about all the things you're going to spend it on. But we got a check in our spirit, and Trish and I felt like we were supposed to give it away to someone who was in need. So one day soon after, uh, we were at church, and I asked one of the ushers in our church if they knew of anyone in the church that really needed money and needed it fast. He told me first about a Hispanic couple who desperately needed a car. They had some money saved up, but they were a couple of thousand dollars short of what they needed to buy the car that they picked out. Then he pointed them out to me at church one day. They were standing at the front, and he said, that's the couple over there. Then he told me about another person that desperately needed money to pay a very overdue bill. And I don't remember him pointing him out to me, but I do remember that I was immediately moved with compassion at the sight of that beautiful Hispanic couple standing at the front of the church and at the thought of that man who was so worried about what he was facing. After we went home from church, I told Trish all about it and asked her what she thought. And so we both agreed. She was also moved with compassion. We decided we would split the money in half, put the cash in two envelopes, and give it to the usher and have them deliver to that couple and to that man anonymously. I didn't get to see the man receive his envelope, but I will never forget watching that beautiful family crying and rejoicing as they received the money they needed to buy their car. It was a miracle of provision that was sparked by the compassion of God that rose up inside of us, Trish and I. We were guided and directed by love to the people who needed it the most at that time. Amen. We set aside our own needs. We were in debt, and we cooperated with God to meet the needs of others instead. Shortly thereafter, when we moved from Corpus Christi to Louisiana, we were completely debt-free. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope and pray that you got as much out of this series as I did. And my prayer going forward is this that we as a church would create a culture that contends for gifts of the Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles as we learn to harness the compassion and love of God and let it lead us and guide us into His divine flow. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed the conclusion of Dr. Forrest's message, The Divine Flow. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for a coffee and fellowship 
and 1030 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.